0: Hi there, Dave Levine here. Thanks for joining me for episode 16 of the Sports Stories podcast. Bob Reeves was with us last week, sharing many stories, including those of Norman Hunter and Bill Shankly, and how they impacted on teams and developed as people and players. Well, today's special guest is Aaron Pugh, the Academy Operations and Performance Manager at Exeter City. Aaron also has a significant role to play in the development of young people and players, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. I'm also looking forward to hearing Aaron's story from being an aspiring professional footballer to overseeing the running of the Academy Exeter City, which is unique in that it's a trust-directed club. Given Aaron's ambition, I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear from him and the great work he is doing. I would therefore like to wish a very warm welcome to today's special guest, Exeter City Academy Operations and Performance Manager, Mr. Aaron Pugh. Aaron, it's really great to have you with me on the Sports Stories podcast today. Thanks very much for joining me. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on today and really excited to talk to you because with the title of uh, Academy Operations and Performance Manager at Exeter City and therefore one of the youngest Academy Manager in the country, I think it's going to be a fantastic conversation and I'm really looking forward to hearing the journey you've both been on but also some of the great things that you're doing down at the club. Um, just to kick us off and what I generally like to do is to introduce my guests. Rather than me do that, can you just give us a little bit of a sense of the journey you've been on, but possibly starting with maybe your first memory of being involved in sport?
1: Of course. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I do really appreciate the opportunity. So um, thanks for that, David. But, um, so yeah, I, I guess first first memory of, of, uh, of sport was probably back when I was about six or seven years old. And I remember World Cup 94 being on. Um, particularly memorable because England weren't there um but we were we were supporting Ireland in in England's absence and um and I just absolutely loved it and uh, m- my family weren't particularly big football fans um so I-, I didn't get it from from them but absolutely loved it and, and kind of went back to primary school after after the summer and um I just played as much as I could and and I think just really fell in love with the game um, and you know, that, that, that kind of feeling of scoring a goal is, is always, you know, there's no better feeling. Everyone says that, but that, that was the case. And I think it also helps when, you, you know, you're not bad at something. So um, luckily, naturally, I, w- I wasn't too bad and, and, and had a bit of success in, uh, at school. And so, um, yeah, so that made it made it a little bit better as well, I guess.
0: I, I always love it when somebody gets um, enthused and inspired by a World Cup or a big event like that and then really starts off their, their passion and interest in the sport. Where did you go from there then in terms of your, your career in, in sport or particularly football?
1: So I, I guess it kind of, it, it started to become a bit more um, serious when, when I got to about 12. So at 12 years old, um, I, I'd be playing kind of local grassroots football and had the opportunity to come up to Exeter and, um, and had a trial at Exeter City and, and their, their centre of excellence at the time. Um, we're just kind of starting to, to have some younger age groups. And um, and was fortunate enough to be selected and and spent spent five years at the academy or uh, Excellence as it was at the time and absolutely loved it. Um, really enjoyed my time. Had some fantastic people working with me in terms of of coaches. Made some brilliant friends. Um, and, and that kind of w- was a fantastic time. Um, and then at, at under 16s at the time when you. Normally offered a scholarship i I had uh, some pretty unfortunate growth uh, issues, so I went from being about five eleven to 6.4, 6.5 in a very short period of time and um really kind of struggled with coordination and and, and, and technique went out the window and 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 it was a, it was a difficult time um and and rightfully so I wasn't offered a scholarship at that point and, and that was the right thing at that time. Um, And so from there, I went into the local college, the college program and and did a football program there and started coaching as well. So that's where I started to to have an interest in coaching um, initially with the football community set up at Exeter. um, And that was a really good grounding to try and get a grasp of working with young players and kind of behavior management and trying to make it fun as well. I think which is is always a really important part of, of coaching. Um, and then at 18, I had uh, the opportunity to start as a part-time coach with the academy, uh, and and that was my first introduction really to to Exeter City Academy. And 14 years later, I'm I'm still there, so it's I'm very much a, a one club man, um, and uh, and obviously that has its limitations, but certainly at the same time, you know, I've I've loved every minute, and and I think that it's been a really good place to, to learn, develop, the opportunities that are available have been fantastic. So, um, yeah, and, and that's entailed, you know, initially, like I say, initially starting as a part-time coach, um, going into um, a full-time role a couple of years later as, at the time, the technical development officer. Uh, from there, became foundation phase lead coach, uh, academy operations manager, assistant academy manager, and, and now into my current role. So, I feel like I've had a really good um, experience of, of many of the roles within the academy. And that's been really beneficial in
0: in, in really kind of knowing the, the ins and outs of, of, the, of the club, really. So, Aaron, I'm really curious about that kind of experience that you had as a player coming through that sort of puberty and growth spurt. And also, you obviously had an experience as being a coach in that age bracket as well. What did you pick up as a player that you're now kind of used as a coach, do you think? Because that's a really difficult period to go through. And, and clearly, you know, you, you mentioned that it was difficult for you and how you were managed. And I'm wondering how your experiences as a player um, informed or influenced how you were a coach in that age range.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, like I said, I actually felt that I was, I was kind of looked after really well Exeter. And I didn't really have any resentment when I wasn't offered a scholarship because I knew it was the right, the right decision at that time. Um, but the you know there was there was still lots of support provided to me and the coaches at the time one of them being Eamon Dolan I'm, I'm sure I'll come on a bit later was just a fantastic um, man and and a, and a brilliant um, part of my younger younger life really so so supportive so helpful always trying to kind of keep you positive um, and and so that was that was massively helpful and I certainly I think now as a, as a coach. I'm very aware of, of late developers and um, young players that may be going through different uh, difficult growth spurts and, and trying to make sure that the other Academy um, coaches and staff are aware of that. And I think it's, it's more kind of commonplace these days, and there is more understanding of it. Um, but certainly it's, it's something that we really look to look to have an idea of and, and take real care of these boys because it is a difficult period. And, and I know that from personal experience, um, so, so, yeah, it's not kind of giving up on players too early. I think giving them time, giving them opportunity um, and supporting them the best you can
0: through that, that period. I'm also really aware that, you know, our experiences through football and somebody who's aspiring to be a professional and then not getting a contract. I know you said it was the right decision, but clearly, you know, at that stage, a dream is shattered in some ways if you don't kind of follow the traditional path. And I'm wondering what, what that gave you as a coach and as a person, what did you learn from that experience that's really helped you drive on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, just to be honest, when I was, I still felt that I had a chance. So at kind of 16, 17, I, you know, I went to college and did a college program. And then when I left college, I actually spent a year doing a lot of part time coaching and not a full time job because I wanted to spend time during the day trying to be as fit as I could practice and, and work hard to, to kind of get up the footballing non-league ladder really so and and, and I got up to the conference south for True and spent a, a lot of years there with those guys and and I'm, I'm kind of proud of that achievement I think that was you know about the right level for me um but but certainly it, it kind of it didn't put me off straight away it, you know I felt I could still keep going and still trying to to get there um but certainly that I think taking taking everything that you've learned and all your experiences and trying to pass them on to other people has been really important. And and there's going to be adversity in any young player's um, career and and, in their their path to wherever they're going to get. And it's trying to use those to make them stronger. And certainly I think I could have backed myself a little bit more and had more confidence in my own ability. And and I think that's something that's taken a long time. I think even now it's something that I've... uh, I've only kind of recently got a little bit better with. So I think that's been really, really important, something that I would definitely try and pass on to um, other staff and and certainly the players.
0: And I've kind of picked up on the idea about how do you deal with that adversity. You've shown a mindset there, look, I want a career or I want a direction in football, and I drove it back, even through the non-league system, to come back. You know, you said, I I never let my sort of hope drop. Where did that drive come from?
1: I I guess... Probably parents, my mum in particular um, is incredibly driven, an incredibly driven personality. And and so, if I wanted to do something, she would support me in whatever way I could to do that. So, whether that's kind of driving, you know, for a long period we lived in, in Cornwall, and so driving to Plymouth, to Exeter, all over the, the southwest to get me to places, but also kind of, um, you know, <laughs> making sure that I do put my. Uh, my, my best foot forward so um i remember actually one point when i was about 11 going down to this development center in plymouth and um <laughs> i've been going for a few weeks and and i was at that point i was quite a good young player but i didn't know anyone there i was this, the only boy from Launceston in cornwall that was going and i was just kind of turning up i wasn't really showing sure what i could do and when it comes to the games at the end they go oh, just you go in defense i just take it you know i was, I was quite a, a nice young boy, and, and just you know accepted it. And I was on the way home one, and I remember really clearly her um, <laughs> actually making me cry, just saying that no, I'm not going to keep taking you down here if you're not going to you know show what you can do. You know, it's it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time. um You know, you're, you're you've got so much more than what you're actually showing, and and you need to do that. And actually, from that point forward, the next week we went down there, and I said that you know a bit intensively oh can I I'm, I'm gonna go play midfield this 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 game and um and got on the ball and show what I could do and and I think it was literally a couple of months later after that that I was getting trials at a professional academy so wow. that that actual <laughs> um yeah I guess a little bit of a kick up the bum from from my mum and just kind of making me put myself out there a little bit more has, has been really important and that's kind of stayed with me throughout and, and, Certainly, I mean, I've, there's been other instances since then. So I remember not getting onto the UA for B course initially when I was, I think, about 19. And um, rather than just saying, OK, I've not gone in, I have to wait a year, she, made, she said, Well, why are you just going to give up? So I, I called them and said, Look, I really need to get on this course. It's really important to me. I could and, and I got on the course. So if I hadn't, hadn't made that call, I wouldn't have had that qualification so early. Um, and, and, and even with, with kind of non league managers, you know, if, if I wasn't playing, uh, then I'd go and talk to them and say, you know, what do I need to do? I want to play. Tell me what I need to do. And, and actually having that voice, I think, has been so important. And that has definitely come from from, from mum, bless her. Say.
0: That's fantastic. And Aaron, I wonder, do you have a saying or a motto or a phrase which drives you forward? Because I'm picking up a kind of a, a principle or a, a philosophy of yours going forward here. And I'm wondering what, what drives you. you know, do, do you have something that helps you? One one thing that
1: that really sticks in my mind, I think, and and again, it's from from Eamon Dolan actually. So when I was quite quite young, and, and it's typical Eamon, really. Um, but but he always said, uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get, and um, and I, I think that that sums it up really quite nicely. You know, it, if you really want to do something, you want to be successful in something, you put the work in, you're going you to have more opportunity, you have more chance, and that's that's kind of stuck with me, I think throughout my, my kind of time as a football player and as a coach, and, and now in my current role. Um, and, and also, it's kind of also moulded a little bit as well that the, the academy's must-haves, so we'll, we'll probably talk about that a bit later, but, um, you know, work rate is is an essential ingredient of, of, of kind of what we try and instil in our young players, So and that's really derived from, from Eamon, really, if I'm being honest.
0: Wow. And then in terms of using that philosophy, can you share with our listeners uh, an experience where you've really been very successful and you can relate it back to, actually, this is why I was successful. You know, I worked really hard and I was really lucky, but actually, you weren't so lucky. You were just successful. Something went really well for you.
1: There's not, I guess, a particular individual particular moment. I think certainly when I was, when I was kind of, um, you know, that, that period of 16 to 1920, yeah um when I was going through a bit of that that growth period and and I wasn't particularly naturally um gifted at running for instance um and 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 technically you know I was okay but I could be a lot better so I remember just spending hours going out and running when I hated it um or practicing you know heading the ball and and passing and ball striking and and that kind of I think that really helped me to go from starting men, you know, my 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 kind of time playing men's football in the Devon League with Alphington, at at, you know a very modest level, all the way to to kind of one of the higher levels of non-league football, just for that, that kind of time and effort that was put in doing things that are necessary, didn't particularly enjoy, but it was gonna allow me to get
0: to where I wanted to go. Gosh. So A really strong philosophy there in terms of really working hard, putting the effort in here, I I hear in terms of, look, these are areas which I know will help me, but I don't like doing, but I must put the effort and the energy into them to really move me forward. Yeah. And then taking that through your career, you know, you went from working on yourself in terms of a footballer, um, doing little, little bits of coaching and so on, um, getting a, some opportunities within the club. But then you, you've really moved your career on, haven't you? So how did that progress into into the role within the academy to become, as you are today, the academy manager?
1: To be honest, it's, it's quite a natural progression. And, and um, you know, when I first started coaching, I, I didn't have in my mind that, look, I want to be an academy manager. It wasn't something that... And sometimes I I kind of worry a little bit that potentially when I, when I kind of see some of the other guys that work at our club that are fantastic, you know, people like Wayne Carlisle and Dan Green in the first team step and Matt Taylor, they're all, they're so driven and they're so clear on what they want and where they want to go. Um, And sometimes I worry that I I don't have that clear drive of, as I want to be this, um, but at the same time, I'll work as hard as I can at whatever I'm, I'm doing at that point and, and just and naturally kind of opportunities have opened up. So um, quite a, sh- a short time after I started full-time at the academy, um, Simon Hayward, who was at the time the academy manager and, and had done a really fantastic job at taking over from what Aiman had started and kind of progressing the academy. Um, he kind of sat me down and said, you know, no disrespect to anyone else that's kind of worked with us, before but you're you're the first person that i've that that i've seen that i think could take over from me when i move on whenever that might be um in terms of the way that you approach things so straight away that kind of was obviously a bit of a boost but also um i guess put it into my mind that eventually that could be something that i would would want to do and you know the main reason that i got into football is because i enjoyed playing it then i really enjoyed coaching it and as an academy manager or operations performance manager is, is my title is you do a lot less of the coaching than you'd probably like to, you know, I still try and find time to do that, but it's a lot more about, um, you know, there is a lot of admin involved, but there's also a lot of, of time spending working with people and trying to help the staff. And that's kind of the thing that I've found I really enjoy now is actually spending time with each of the staff in their different areas and trying my best to try and help them how I can. Um, and, um, and that's been really, really enjoyable. So it's not something I ever thought I'm going to be an accounting Manager, but I've kind of almost fallen into it. Um, and through the bits that I've done, I guess, some, some decent work and, and that w- work ethic to get here. And now it's trying to be the best um, best I can be in this current role, I guess. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned Simon and, and, and Eamon and the impact that they've had on you and, you know, it set the foundations for you. What have you taken from them? What guidance and what tips and what uh, what's really informed the way you are from from them working with them?
1: Um, I, I think you take different things from from everyone, and you know that you probably couldn't have two more different people than Simon and Aiden and really. Um, but they were both fantastic in their own ways. So I, I think I always want to be myself. I, you know, I have a real difficulty in in kind of trying to be something that I'm not and 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 sometimes I find that that's been you know a, a, again a question mark in the back of my mind is you know if you are supposedly like the leader of the academy and you know you're you're trying to support your staff but I don't want to try and be something I want to be myself in within that so you know I try and I guess take some bits from Eamon in terms of you know the rapport he had with players and staff and you know how caring he was he would he would. he always challenge you he'd always make things difficult but you knew that he cared um and one of the things you know one of our sayings at the academy is you know the the players um won't care what you know until they know that you care and I think that that's massive and and certainly something that again would reinforce that and then in terms of Simon just his the way that he kind of was so organized was so you know always looking to learn new things and read new books and 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 try and have a real clear vision for the academy. So when I first started as a part-time coach at 18, I remember sitting down in the first presentation that was done for the staff, the CPD, uh, and it was a case of, you know, why are we here? And the the next slide was to create professional football players. And then the next slide after that was was not a badge for Exeter City. It was a badge of Man United, Chelsea, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, all these huge clubs. And, And back at that point, you know, the... Although that the Academy that Extra was a you know good community club that hadn't had loads of of players that had got through the Academy. It, it was a decent amount, but not but not loads. And the idea was that yes, if we can create players for Exeter City, fantastic, what an achievement. But the aim should be to try and create players for and produce players for the Premier League, the Champions League internationals. And and at the time, um, we all were like, Yeah, that's brilliant, we love that, but it was a long way off. Um and, 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 and more recently, we've had players like Ethan Ampadu that went to Chelsea, that's played in the Champions League. And so, you know, that, that was clearly that vision and that idea of where we were going was really important and, and is something that we try
0: and now, I guess, move on to the next level again. So here's the, the tough question, Aaron. How do you create plays for those teams at Exeter City? It, it's, you know, it's, it's not one, one big thing. I think it's so
1: many small things all combined together um you know like i said the there's been a really clear vision for the academy and for the club the extra being a trust-owned club um it, it means that the values of kind of opportunity development community are massive um and it's really set up to really support the academy and and the academy is such an important part of that club because there's no huge benefactor and and, and someone that's putting lots of money into the club so we have to try and Give opportunities to youngsters, and then hopefully that that brings returns into the club. So, um, that clear vision, the the, the fact that the the club is so supportive, and there is a real clear pathway for the players. um, I think continuity, you know, in one way is really important. So, if you look at that, many of the staff in the academy over the last 10 years have been players in the academy or players in the first team, and so those key messages and those key philosophies that have been in place keep getting carried forward and brought back um, alongside obviously bringing new people in as well because I think a mixture of the two is really important so you do keep, continue to have new ideas we're certainly not trying to say we've got it cracked we're standing still now because if you're standing still you're moving backwards so so we're, we're keen always to look at new things and um, I, I think that the club's probably been forward-thinking you know people like Julian Tagg is you know leading the whole club quite a very forward-thinking person and I think the the club's probably been ahead of the curve a little bit for quite a long time I think with the introduction of the Triple I think some of the other category Three clubs have probably got themselves closer to where Exeter were six seven years ago and so now it's our challenge to kind of push on
0: again and make sure that we keep getting better. What are some of the challenges that you would face, do you think, going forward? Because, you know, we're coming into a very different world now. You know, football's evolving at, at a pace. What challenges do you envisage?
1: I mean, obviously there's going to be financial um, implications. So it's trying to be as, as kind of innovative as you can. So we, we, try, we try and be innovative with everything we do anyway, but trying to maximise what you can do with the resources you have available. Um, you know i think that's going to be really important i mean in terms of our innovation we we really we try and have as much contact time with the players as we possibly can and and it's something that you know when we said a few years ago it's a good few years ago now but we're going to do three hour sessions you know we had kind of players and parents like gasping like how are you going to do three hour sessions that's 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 crazy but the way that actually they're structured with lots of different parts. It's not all on pitch. You've got sports or sessions and SNC sessions and analysis sessions. The time flies and the players adapt to it so quickly. So um, I think ensuring that we, we continue, continue to have that contact time with the players, which is so important. Um, I think continuing to kind of stretch the high performing players. So, you know, hopefully all the players in the academy have got potential and, 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 and certainly, you know, Although our, our ethos is that school and and education and, and home life comes first and producing well-rounded young people is is the most important thing. At the end of the day, we're there to, to create professional players. So um those players that are really kind of performing at a high level, we're trying to stretch them by playing them up in older age groups. You know, we we've had numerous examples of players playing up two age groups if necessary to really stretch them. Um and really having variety in the program as well. So um, I read an article recently about um, AZ Alkmaar in in Holland, and how they were seen as maybe one of the best academies in Europe, and and you know for their results of lots of players in the first team and and being successful was great. And I was reading the article about how they they felt they were really innovative, and and it was. But I also read it thinking, oh, we do that, and <laughs> we, do that. <laughs> we do that, and and, and so you know the, this idea of having you know almost like a performance playground especially younger ages to give the players responsibility and decision making opportunities and um you know we, we we're definitely huge on that and, and variety in the program in terms of different sports we do um lots of different surfaces so we have 3g we play on sand based astro we go on the sports hall which is a massive part of our program um you know as well as the grass pitches We've done beach football um, more recently. So so that variety and then and also the variety in, in formations as well. So for every six weeks, our young players will change um, change formation. And um, again, that kind of comes back to that initial thing of, yes, if we can create players for Exeter City, fantastic. But also if we can create players and produce players and develop players for the highest level, or who knows what Man City are going to be playing at that time, who knows what Liverpool, etc. So the boys have a real clear understanding of different ways of playing and, and different formations within you know, the, the, the kind of key playing philosophy at the club of keeping the ball, maintaining possession, playing at a high intensity, then I think they're set up as well as they possibly can be.
0: And I really like that philosophy in terms of preparing the player to be able to play for whichever manager or whichever club they might end up at. And, you know, bringing that level of agility and flexibility into their style. So, you know, creating players that need to be able to think and adapt to different environments. I think so really, uh, really interesting and and for me quite a a forward thinking approach, which I think I'd applaud. You mentioned a bit earlier on a little bit around the must-haves. Can you tell us a little bit more based on what you've just said, what the Exeter City must-haves are? Yeah, of course.
1: Of course. So we we, we have kind of must-haves for the players in particular, which are are key and have been a big part of what we do. But we also have must-haves for the coaches and for the parents. So there's kind of different things that that we feel that are essential for um, having a a really positive learning environment and, and being collaborative in what we do and making sure that the boys can Maximise their potential. So, um, again, it's, it's in, in some ways, when we look at it, it's really quite simple and doesn't seem to be kind of revolutionary. Or anything But we've really found it's been a massive, massive kind of um, part of the players' development. So, again, we, I remember, again, probably six, seven years ago, we would play some of the kind of London teams or, or kind of inner city teams, and, and we'd always kind of get, I guess beat up a little bit, you know, we'd be, we'd be kind of nice boys from Exeter. Um, and so one of the things we were conscious to do was to try and make the boys a bit more competitive and a bit more, um, yeah, front foot and, 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 and kind of really kind of stick up for themselves. So um, we, we, we want to make it nice and snappy. So we kind of came up with this A, B, C plus W, R. And it was a case of um, the things that we think the players have to show and what they, every player can show for every training session, every game. So um, attitude, bravery. And when we say bravery, we talk about bravery to get on the ball, bravery to try things, bravery to be create, creative. Um, competitiveness. So wanting to be the most competitive player, punching above your weight, um, things like that. Work rate, obviously, which I kind of touched on already. And then reactions in terms of reacting positively and quickly, whether we've just lost the ball or we've just won the ball. So those must-haves are ingrained and instilled in all of the players and we, we kind of we, we go so far as it, to say that when the players are kind of almost given ratings they can get a six out of ten if they just do those things right you know they could give the ball away every time they get it but if they've had a fantastic attitude they've been brave to get the ball and, and, and get on the ball and try things um They've been as competitive as they can be at all times, worked hard and, and shown positive reactions. Well, that's a really good base to work from. And generally what you find is if the boys are, are nailing those things, then everything else comes off the back of that. So really kind of getting the players right with those those real key um, things, essentials, almost like player essentials when they when they play, things that they should focus on are really important. So the, the, the coaches are, are very clear on, on the importance of... Um, ensuring that the players ABCs, the, the must-haves are shown as, as the kind of most important and initial part of any any session or game. So they'll really drive those must-haves and you know drive it through, encouraging good examples, um requesting kind of better examples from those that are maybe aren't quite shown sure what they so it's really key that say we get the players right before we start coaching them technical and tactical details. So um yeah and, and hopefully that kind of brings a real intensity to sessions and games and ensures
0: that we're at the Right level to really start stretching the boys and and, and adding that, that further detail. So it sounds like the ABC and WR are nearly a foundational, aren't they? If you get those, and then you can build the the football technical tactical aspects on top of that. Definitely, and
1: and, and it's and it's like I say, it's really shown um, it's shown real effects. So um, I'm sure they won't mind me saying, but Swansea. So Swansea were a team that in the past, you know, like I said, six seven years ago, would come down and we used to get kind of beat up by them. And then a couple of years ago, they came down to play us uh, in preseason. Obviously, they're, they're now a different category to us. But um, and I remember their coach saying, oh, "I love coming down here to play you guys because um, it's a bit different. Like we, your boys, are so competitive. We don't we don't get to see this very often. You know that they they, they they really give us a good <laughs> a good competitive game. <laughs> and so it completely swung around from where we were, and that was based on those must haves. And, and I, I think the other thing is. The sports hall sessions that we do, they're so intense. You know, The ball doesn't go out of play. We just, you know, it's winner stays on sometimes. We, we do variety in there, but winner stays on, ball stays in the pitch. Players go around kicking each other, but in the inappropriate way. And it's just been it, those two things, I think it really started to make our boys a bit tougher and a bit more competitive.
0: Yeah. Can you give us an insight into what the must-haves would be for the coaches and the parents? Because I, I really like the idea that you're kind of giving a foundation to all areas of the club, you know, all the different roles that people play?
1: Of course, yeah. So, again, we try and have, like, something that's snappy, a bit of an acronym. So, um, for the coaches, it's I Do Care. Um, and so, uh, inspirational, detailed, organised, consistent, adaptable, respectful, and engaging. So, what we try and say is, if you're a member of staff and you're putting on a session or whatever it is, working with the players try and hit as many of those things as you can, try and and, and plan to be inspirational, try to, you know, be adaptable. So if two players don't turn up to training that you're expecting, that you've got a second plan that can come into place. Um, Yeah. They're they're the things that consistency with messages, the key messages that we've got in the academy, make sure that they're, they're kind of used all the time. So, so that, that, that's for the the staff. Um, And then for the parents, it's, it's just care a little bit. So, um, collaboration, appreciation, respect, and expectations. So again, it's more about those parents. Um, you know, We try to make it very clear at the very start that not every player is going to be a professional football player, unfortunately. So those expectations need to be managed quite clearly. But what we will guarantee is we'll do our very best to provide a really enjoyable experience during the boys' time with us. Um, and also we will help them get better now at the end of that as long as they've they've enjoyed it and they've got better we've done our bit and that's that's kind of you know how we see it and and, and if i think because we make that really clear at the start it, it it tends to negate any potential issues when players do unfortunately become released or or leave the academy because um you know we've we've clearly outlined what we are going to provide and and generally you know I think we are are very good at providing what we say we're going to provide. You're still always going to get some disappointment, of course, because no parent wants to see their their child upset and that they haven't ultimately got to the the level they want to get to. Um, But overall, I think it's a
0: much smoother process because they know that we've done what we said we would do. Do you use the acronym of care with the parents up front, you know, so you, you're quite bold and overt about it. Because I guess that relationship, especially when you're coming towards, you know, retain and release conversations with, with players and parents is, is potentially a, a, a tricky conversation to have. And I'm just conscious about how to best navigate and manage that. You're giving me a real sense that it's not necessarily always easy, but you've actually managed it, the journey quite well to try and make it as, as fluid and as productive as it can be. And I'm just wondering, how do you use the acronym or the, the, the models that you use?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's something that we will deliver every single year in the, in the kind of parent inductions, that that message, again, come back to consistency, you know, there'll be new things we, that we kind of present each year, but that one in terms of the, the parent must-haves and being collaborative and working together and that, that those parent must-haves that will be delivered every single year um, within reviews as well. So obviously we, we do kind of, as, as per any other academy, um, regular player and parent reviews. And we'll always um, come to the players and parents first and let them have their voice and their say and, and really show that we are respectful and, and collaborative and we want to kind of join, you know, have their thoughts and their, their, um, their, their input because at the end of the day, the parents are going to have the biggest impact on their, on their son. You know, we 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 hopefully can have a really positive impact. But the most important person in in pretty much every young young player's life is is their parents and, and, and guardians. So yeah. so it's really important that we work together. Um, and we're we, you know, we have an analogy of kind of everyone in the boat rowing in the same direction. And if someone's rowing in an opposite direction, it's going to cause some some trouble. So yeah.
0: yeah. Great stuff. And you sound like you're doing some fantastic work, you know, and really trying to move the ship forward, as you say, or with the boat in one direction together. Just before we start drawing it to a close, and I want to ask you some real sort of detail questions. I'm just conscious that where we started was with you being with this grand title of Academy Operations and Performance Manager, which sounds like it's doing absolutely everything, um, and also being one of the younger Academy Managers. And I'm just wondering, how does that work for you?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And I think one of the, in some ways it's been a real positive, but also, I guess there's been a, a kind of worry or self doubt of mine is because many of the guys that, that are still at the academy, I've worked alongside in the past. And, and I think I've, I've built good relations with, so when I first kind of, you know, when, when Simon moved on, I was all of a sudden in this kind of, more of a leadership role, yeah. uh, is a case of all well, these these guys, they all know me kind of inside out, they know what I'm like. And, you know, is that respect going to be there? Because, um, you know, I can have a laugh and a joke and, and I'm not really one to rant and rave. You know, I'm quite qu- quiet and calming in a lot of ways, I guess. So um, I worried a little bit about whether or not the kind of, I guess, yeah, I guess respect would be there in terms of, you know, who am I? I'm, I'm just a, 30 year old at that point um never made it as a professional player um done a bit of coaching and, and has done the roles that a lot of these guys have done but I guess I've just I've just tried to be myself with it and, and although it was a real worry to start with um I mean actually quite recently um it's a bit of a kind of light bulb moment so I one of our staff and um, who's brad brad miller who's our foundation phase coach he's fantastic he's, he's so good in his in his field and um he, he put on um i think he was coming around the moment, but on facebook three people that have inspired you in your in your journey and, and he put my name on there and i was really surprised to see it um and but it meant a lot to me because it, it meant that actually this person that i think's fantastic and doing a fantastic job had had actually taken a lot from from me and what i'd done for him and and that wasn't me trying to be anything that i wasn't i was just being myself and so that that actually gave me a bit more confidence and made me think well actually what i'm doing is is obviously working and trying to i mean we're 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 really big on having um this flat line management team so all of the department leads they will have the opportunity to to kind of make their decisions and take it where they want to go and and obviously the guys that I'm line manager for, I'll discuss that with them and I'll have that, but you know, the the head of sports science and medicine has far more knowledge in in those areas than I do, so if I'm just a bit of a sounding board for them and if I can ask questions to try and um, make sure they've thought things through, I don't need to be the one that knows the most about that Um, and, and likewise with the under 18s I don't have to be the best under 18s coach or the one that knows the most about players of that age, as long as I'm allowing people to have that opportunity to, to kind of, and the responsibility to, to lead and kind of push them and question them and make sure they're happy, that, that works for me. So I know it may not work for everyone, but that's, that's kind of the way that we've gone with it. And, and I've like I said, despite the fact that many times I think, well, I don't know as much as he does, is that an issue? I, I don't think it is an issue as long as you, you kind of, yeah, provide the opportunity and support where you can.
0: Great stuff, Aaron, and I'm really conscious again of, you know, and probably the basis for my question was because there are so many times where, you know, we have to work alongside either peers and then become a, take on a leadership role and then the dynamic and the relationships change. And for me, you've just given a, a really fantastic example whereby you were working alongside your colleagues and peers and then became into a leadership role, irrespective of what age you are and what your experience is, but you have to manage that in a really constructive way. And what's coming through loud and clear for me is that your leadership approach and philosophy around really trying to just be who you are, be myself. You know, you use that a number of times and and how it's working for you and recognising that, you know, you don't need to be the expert. You need to be the expert in getting the best out of people rather than the the technical expert of of doing the job that they're doing, you know. And it it sounds like from what you're saying, it's really coming through loud and clear. It's leading me on now to short, sharp answers to some questions that will really help some of our listeners. So I'm going to fire a couple of quick-fire questions at you, okay? And I'm sure we'll open some of them up a little bit because I'm conscious that we might come to some areas around key influential people. So let's just go with it. And The first question I'm going to ask you, though, is can you name two or three key influential books or resources that you've used that really inspired you or um, informed you?
1: Yeah, so I think certainly kind of recent times in terms of looking at... um kind of leadership and 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 kind of that that side of things which I, I probably didn't have loads of experience of so um the one minute manager by ken blanchard which is massively on situational leadership and and kind of that that's I kind of really relate to that but also took bits from it to make you know improve how I how I worked um good to great by um jim collins about kind of i think obviously when Academy is doing well and then, you know, Simon moves on and, and all of a sudden the responsibility is there. How do we make sure that it continues to get better? So, you know, that was, that was really good. I really enjoyed reading that. Um, At the moment I'm reading a book called um, how to talk to anyone, um, which is, it's just quite interesting. And again, just kind of different techniques and communication because I, I don't think I've I always think that my communication skills could be a bit better. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's one that I'm enjoying at the moment. So those, those would be ones I'm pretty good for.
0: Brilliant. Some great books. And, and I can really see the good to great sort of analogy in taking, taking extra from where it was, not saying whether it was good or great, but keeping it moving in the right direction. I think it's really powerful. And, and I also really resonate with the idea of communication and that actually we can never be too good at it, I don't think. Um, Irrespective of how good we think we are, I think we can always improve and and sharpen our communication, questioning, listening kind of skills. Um, Great books to share. Thank you for that. Given that the age we're in, you know, in terms of different generations, I'm keen to know what sort of technology do you use, or would you not be without, to help you be the best version of you? It's nothing groundbreaking really on this
1: one. Um, I, I use Twitter a lot, and I know there's a lot of rubbish on Twitter, but there's also, I think, some fantastic things on Twitter. So some really good um, resources in terms of whether it's coaching, whether it's, again, leadership, you know, quotes. I I find Twitter really good. If you follow the right people on Twitter, I think it's a really useful resource. Um, Again, not particularly exciting, but a couple of bits that I use, um, you know, I've got a scan app on my phone, which I found invaluable. So being able to scan things, documents and and things really quickly on my phone has been really, really good and useful and then emailing to myself. and, and again, quite a boring one, but this Adobe fill-in sign, so it, it allowing you to do electronic signatures, again, saved me so much time, especially in the modern age. And, and again, kind of electronically signing things and sending them back to me. So um, yeah, not particularly exciting, but they're, they're probably the three that I use a lot.
0: And I asked the question because I think we're also awash with information nowadays and we're also always looking for ways to be more effective or efficient in what we do. And we all have our own different ways, but it's useful to hear, you know, I've never, no one's ever shared the Adobe fill and sign, but I can really see how in the role that you play, you know, the things that we can speed up become more efficient and therefore more effective. So a great insight. In in terms of the environment we're in as well, we've talked about the performance of individuals. You mentioned how you you prepared yourself to try and be the best footballer you could be when you were younger. Aaron, nowadays, what do you do to prepare yourself to be the best you possibly can, both mentally and physically?
1: Uh, So I think exercise is hugely important. And and obviously my, you know, football is my, my big thing that I enjoyed. I actually find that whenever I play football now, I get backache. I don't know why, it's the one sport that I play I get backache. So, um, yeah, I try. <laughs> I have to try and avoid playing anymore. Um, but recently I've got into to running, which sounds crazy because like I said earlier, I've always hated running. Um, but yeah, trying, you know, get the Strava up and trying to get out and do a lot of running and improve personal best and having a bit of competition with my head of coaching um, that I work alongside Kevin Nicholson. So we, we we kind of do that. So I find that getting out early first thing in the morning for a run actually gives me a lot of energy and, and kind of invigorates for the rest of the day. Um, and then I think any kind of time that there's a, there's a important meeting or piece of work that needs to be in, talking to people that, you know, talking through my ideas and, and, and finding their thoughts and, and, and kind of feedback on, on it. So again, this, I'm very fortunate, very lucky to have a lot of great people at the academy. That I get on really well with, but also have real expertise, so I can I can bounce things off them. Um, So I always find that there's lots of different people for different areas I would discuss things with. Um, And 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 again, the EM program has been great because that's provided um, a mentor in terms of Gordon, who's been fantastic, Gordon Lord. What, what is the EAM programme for the guys that are listening? So, so the EM programme is the Elite Academy Managers course, put on by the Premier League. So they, they've been running the Elite Head of Coaching eHop course for, for a number of, I think it's two or three years now. So the, the last year and a half, the EM program's come in and it's, again, it's, it's, it's an individualised course that really works on, on kind of my specific needs to make me the best potential academy manager that I can be. Um, and there's been you know some really fantastic learning content experiences and, and probably like I said one of the most useful parts of it is is having this this mentor system. So um so Gordon Lord is my is my main mentor and he's um he's brilliant you know in terms of listening to what I, I've got poking and prodding me and, and trying to push me out of my comfort zone a little bit which I've asked him to do um and, and get me to to try
0: things that maybe would I wouldn't do without a little bit of a push. Well, Aaron, Gordon's a good friend of a Sports Stories podcast because he was the very first um, episode. So if you're, if people are interested to find out a little bit more about your mentor, Gordon, then they can go back and listen to that podcast. But
1: um, Brilliant, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and he, he, is, he is great. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I've had lots of other people that, at the club. So, again, Wayne, Wayne Carlisle, in terms of the assistant manager, who I worked alongside before, it's, it's been brilliant. Um, Julian, the chairman's... Always there and always has time, which I think we're very lucky to have at our club. You know, you don't necessarily get that at most clubs. Um, and, and we have a an academy technical director, Richard Hodgson, who kind of lives up in Blackpool and um, and kind of helps out on ton a, of a part-time basis. But he's, he's fantastic, and he's probably taught me a lot in recent years about kind of the, the operational side of things and and really key things in terms of, of leadership. So again,
0: that's been invaluable, really. Well, I'm going to drill you down and I'm going to take your lead there in sense of you know those different people that have informed and, and supported you along the way and, and ask you the question that Brad put to you earlier on around actually, who would you say are the two or three people that have most influenced and inspired your career to date? Uh,
1: so I, again, I think I've mentioned it in a few different areas, but I think, again, my mum and dad, so parents, are, are, again, been so lucky to have a, a real fantastic um support network there with those guys and they're both very different like my, my dad spent so much time with me playing sports as a youngster and kind of and, and he's always you know really supportive things and then on the other side my mum you know she's driving me around all over the, the country as a youngster and then like I said earlier kind of being that person that again pushes me and, and makes me sure make sure that I do stick my neck out a little bit and, and don't just be you know accepting of things when when they're not quite right so um yeah those, those two definitely um Eamon again Eamon Dolan is, is the best coach I've ever worked with and you know in, in those years when I was really starting to kind of learn a bit more about football he was such an important person um and then yeah I'd, I'd say probably in, in more recent time probably rich hodgson has has been has been really influential in in my current position and again not afraid to make me realize i've got things to improve and and push me um but also so supportive um so so yeah i think those three probably
0: great really really powerful um and and i'm with you in in a sense of the you know the the foundation and the influence your parents can have in really helping you and supporting you and uh helping you fulfill your potential actually so good stuff moving on to a, a question that sh- is one of my favorites and I think given the journey you've been on and your um, aspiration to be involved in sport and actually having stayed in sport as a, as a player and a coach and now a, you know and an academy manager what advice would you give to a, a teenage version of yourself or somebody who would want to come on your sort of journey? I,
1: th- I think looking back, it probably would be like really believe in yourself and back yourself a bit more. Um, you know, um, don't be afraid to, to, to kind of, yeah, put yourself out there. Don't worry too much about what other people think about you. Just, you know, I think certainly teenagers, you know, that's a massive part, you know, worrying about what others think, but if I could go back, I'd probably worry less and just do, do what I need to do and really kind of, yeah, just back myself. Um, so that, that's kind of
0: probably where I'd go. No, no, good, good, and and we're living that one out now, and I can see how that's played through actually for you, very, very powerfully in terms of actually the steps that you're taking. You've got them knocked on doors, you've you've made phone calls to get on coaching courses, you know, you've asked, asked questions, and I, I can see how how that's really played out very positively. And I think it's fantastic advice and and guidance to to younger people coming into the world of sport that if you don't push doors and you don't ask questions. You know, you, you never quite know what's out there for you. So um, a really great, some really great advice there. In terms of your sports story, you, you've been really open and, and honest about the journey you've gone on. And, and Aaron, what I've really loved about it is you've been you. You know, you've, as you've said, your leadership style is trying not to be somebody else. It's trying to be you. And you've shown some of your vulnerabilities, your highs and your lows. A question I would throw to you, though, is um, whose sports story would you be really keen to hear and why?
1: It's uh, a really, really good question, actually. Um, it it sounds—I it, mean—it's probably a, a bit of a throwaway one, to be honest. But I, I think, like Ronaldo, based on again going back to that that work ethic. So you know, I know there's there's kind of stuff that's um, put out there about you know Messi, technically and you know most gifted player, but the, the amount of work and effort and time and commitment that Ronaldo's put into becoming what he is. Um, but just more detail, I guess, on that and and really kind of finding what drove him and, and, and what um, just exactly how he applied himself. Because I think that that idea of creating what he's done through effort, work rate, time is, is really, really interesting.
0: Great. Um, there's a real common theme for me from our whole conversations today. And, and that is around work ethic. And it's something that you've really showed and talked through and you know and it keeps coming back whether it's in other people but actually also what you're bringing to the role that you've done and also to the club itself you know in in, in the must-haves so I just would like to really thank you for being with me today and giving me uh, and our guests a real insight into what it's like at Exeter City the the work rate and the and the strides and the type of club and the culture and environment that you've created so Aaron, should any of the uh, listeners like to find out a little bit more about your story from the past uh, and on anything that you're doing uh, down at Exeter City, how, how might they maybe be, be able to make contact with you? Uh, the, the kind of the best couple of ways, I guess, would be
1: um, the website or Twitter. So the, the main club website, ecstasy website, has a link through to the academy and, and that has... Initially some some information about what we do on, on the main club website and also a, a click through onto the Academy website as well um, So that that's that's a, a good way and then secondly uh, on, on Twitter I'm, I'm not much for the social media. But I do have a Twitter account. So again, we've got uh, an Academy Twitter account which is um, at ecfc underscore Academy um, and we try and put uh, as, as much content on there as we can weekly um about what's going on and then I also i'm on, on twitter myself as well personally so um if you put my name and i'm sure you'll be able to find me on there as well so that's probably the best best two ways
0: great stuff well thanks for sharing that and, I, and i'm sure this won't be the last time we've we're here from you given the great work that you're doing so hopefully some people can drop your line make contact uh And get engaged with what you're doing and the great stuff you're doing down at Exeter. So I just like to wish you the very, very best um, going forward with with the journey. I hope at some stage we can keep coming back so you can share a little bit more of of your journey. But also, you know, wish you well in, in your personal journey in terms of where you go in your career. Uh, as an operations manager, academy manager, or whatever you wish to be, and continue to be the the very best person you can be because that's one of your philosophies and it's come out very strongly so far and and as a a fresh pair of eyes in an industry that's ever ever so much changing, um, I really look forward to hearing where you get to. So Aaron, thanks for being with me today. Good luck and take care. Brilliant. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. So there we have the story and great insights into the life and role of the Exeter City academy operation and performance manager. It became clear that Aaron really wants to be the best version of himself as the academy manager. The manner in which Aaron delivered his message, his story, how he shared his highs and lows of his career also shows that he is driven and ambitious to be successful while showing that caring for people is also important to him. This leads me to pose the following two questions to you. How do you show that you care so people care what you know? And also if the harder you work, the luckier you get, then how hard do you work and what do you need to put in place to become luckier? I do hope you enjoyed and valued the conversation today. There were some fantastic principles and I know I'll be reflecting on the must-have acronyms he mentioned and see how they play out in the environments I work in. As always, please let us have any feedback. I do really appreciate it and continue to strive to offer you, the listener, a podcast of great value can make contact with me at the usual address which is sportsstories stories 247 at gmail.com and also please do leave a review on your favorite podcast platform this also helps new listeners find the podcast all that it leaves me to say is have a great week look after yourself and I look forward to having you join me Dave Levine again next week on the sports stories podcast